0: everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life i am your host natalie roberts and i am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest virginia dixon hi natalie hi virginia All right. So a few weeks ago, Virginia, you met a woman with an incredible testimony. Back in 2022, Pam Mann faced a severe medical crisis that nearly took her life. Thank you for coming to share your story with us, Pam. Thank you. So, Virginia, can you kind of take us through how you guys met, how we're here? I can. I was invited to
1: an event in Newport Beach where a group of women that care deeply about the hemorrhaging heart of our nation were gathering. And it was a time where they had amazing discussions around how God works in the lives of men and nations and throughout history. And before the pastor began to speak, Pamela got up and set the tone and created a framework and gave context to be honest with you a little bit I think for what was going to be discussed and I was so captivated I literally heard this quiet inner voice say amplify that story and there's deep roots behind that so Pamela thank you for coming today I want everybody to hear your
2: story thank you where would you like me to start the beginning where are you from So I grew up in the Midwest, in Ohio, actually, and lived there the majority of my life until 2016, when I had relocated to Southern California. Was your family involved in church? Were you guys atheists, agnostics? Um, To be honest, I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised Southern Baptist. My mother sang in the church choir. She taught Sunday school and my father was a deacon at the church. So you guys were really involved in the faith-based community. Mm -hmm.
1: Take us through college years and just kind of take us through these pivotal experiences in your life because a season of great loss was about to come upon you.
2: Okay. Something that happened when I was 21 years old, my parents were in a horrible car accident. And the ironic part of this is that morning, you know, I was going to work and I didn't feel well. I, I felt sick, and I stayed mm-hmm. home. And I kept trying to call my parents. I, for some reason, I just felt like I needed to get a hold of them. And I called them numerous times. And I was like, "Why? Why aren't they answering? Why can't I get a hold of them?" And you know what I didn't know was that they were in this horrible car accident where someone had passed on a hill and hit them head on. Wow. Both of my parents were ejected from the vehicle. My father was thrown fifty feet and his truck actually rolled over top of him. My mother was thrown 25 feet and you know I got the call from my paternal grandmother. She's crying hysterically and saying you need to get to the hospital. Your parents are in the hospital and they're dying. So I get to the hospital I was told that my father had a 10% chance to survive and my mother had a 20% chance and Unfortunately, that day my father succumbed to his injuries. The aorta had actually been ripped on his heart, and that's what caused him to die. He went through nine pints of blood while I was there in a hospital, but I remember them telling me that he had died, and I went in the room where he was at, and I saw, you know, his, his hair was messed up, and I brushed his hair on his forehead, and I just remember just sobbing and laying my head on his chest, and I'm just Praying and saying, please, God, send him back to me. Please send him back to me. You know, we need him. My mother needs him. I need him. Please send him back to me. And I literally cried and prayed for hours. And he did actually come back, whether or not people want to believe that or not. But I saw him with Jesus. And he said, what do you need? And, you know, said, we need you to come back to us. And he said, I can't do that. You know, that's basically how that went. Did you share that story with anybody? How did you ever leave that room?
1: It was hard. (laughs) Well, when you have an encounter like that, that's transformative. Did you feel peace? I
2: did feel peace. But at the same time, I was also, you know, very concerned about my mother because she had five dents in her skull. And... They weren't sure if she was going to be brain damaged or not. So basically, that was a transformative
1: encounter, but the reality that you were facing with now losing your mom as well was almost paralyzing. Mm
2: Mm-hmm yes. My mother had to go through extensive physical therapy as well as occupational therapy and I can remember seeing an occupational therapist holding up a flashcard with a three letter word that said cat and they said Mary Jane do you know what this says and she shook her head and said no I don't know what that is and then you know the same therapist held up a card that said one plus one she asked Mary Jane do you know what one plus one is. My mother's Shook her head and said no, and I just stood there and cried. I dropped out of college at one point and I helped with my mother getting through everything that she had been through. She eventually healed. And she does not have any brain damage and she leads, you know, a very productive life. She eventually got remarried, actually a very nice man, someone who I had known and introduced her to. So, yeah, basically the daughter
1: became the mother, became the child and the child became the mother for a season at a young age of 21.
2: for Yeah, for a short period of time.
1: But you you, you just brush over this thing like I saw my dad, I saw Jesus Mm -hmm. and then, but you talk about it as if it was no big deal but that had to be absolutely stunning. I don't know. Are you You're shaking your head, Natalie?
0: Yeah, no, that, it's, it's shocking. How, how do you it was it because
2: the you were completely dissociated because of the measure of grief? What? I think so. I mean, honestly, you know, there was a lot of grief, because I was extremely close to my father, we shared the same birthday, we were very, very close. Wow. And I always said to me, he walked on water, like I idolized my father. Hmm. But how is seeing him Yes. Alive, very much alive. Well, he really wasn't alive. I mean, it was you know like his spirit, right? So, so you didn't see a physical image of well, him. Well, it was there. his spirit there. You know,
1: you sensed a presence, right? Okay, so it wasn't a physical image of your father standing in the room. It was an a knowledge of a
2: presence of him and. But peace? I heard, I heard his voice. Okay, you know that, you know when I kept. You know, because i had kept praying and praying and, you know, I heard him say, what do you need? Okay, And I was like, you know, I want you to come back to us. So it's like he was there and I know that he was with Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I have been in the presence of many, many,
1: many people that have transitioned out of time and now that you put it in the context of a presence that mm-hmm. was palpable mm-hmm. and hearing a quiet gentle still voice and you know it was that of your father i understand what that means it well, was a sense of knowledge of being there present i've experienced that
2: right yeah
1: and it's it's as real as seeing somebody but it is different right right so then you took care of mom went back to college
2: Yeah, I went back to college, you know, was working to finish my bachelor's degree in business administration. I had gotten involved in a relationship that was toxic. Before dad's death or after? Um, It was someone that I was dating, yes, before my father had died. Mm -hmm. And this person had went on to tell me uh, at one point that I wasn't smart enough to finish college. And... I believe the reason that he said that to me was because I was having difficulty in an advanced math class and I had shared with him, you know, oh, gosh, I'm so worried. Like, if I can't pass this class, how am I going to finish college? And, you know, I remember him saying, well, you know, maybe you're not smart enough to finish college, you know, and I knew that that wasn't the case because just the way I was raised, I was raised, you know, to believe in myself and I knew that. I could do anything, you know it's interesting
1: how destructive, unhealthy relationships can be
2: right, right and right right, and i I don't know this this person made me feel bad about myself overall, and you know one thing that I did, I competed in a lot of pageants, and one year in particular, I did six pageants, and every time I would place in the pageant, you know whether that were top ten, top five, you know or even winning. I felt that much better about myself. And then I was able to tell him, you know, there's nothing wrong with me, but there's something wrong with you for you to make me feel the way that you've made me feel. And, um, you know, I was able to get out of that relationship. And one of the things that I made a goal of was to make Dean's List, you know, not only for myself, but I think to prove to him, that yes, I was smart enough to finish college. And I worked really hard. I made Dean's List. I got all A's. As soon as I had the Dean's List in hand, I went to his house, knocked on the door. He opens the door. And I said, do you know what this is? And he's like, no. And I said, this is Dean's List. I said, do you know whose name's on that? And he's like, look, I... I never meant anything by that. And I said, yes, you did. I said, do you remember when you told me I wasn't smart enough to finish college? I said, I made Dean's List all A's. I said, so I am smart enough to finish college. And then I turned around, (laughs) got back in my car and left. But that was very empowering for me to be able to say that. And, you know, I eventually left that relationship, finished college and went on with my life. The
1: second part of your story is nothing short of miraculous, but hearing the precursor mm-hmm. to those events that eventually developed mm-hmm. last year makes so much sense. This was certainly in your life a season of loss. Mm-hmm but a time of cleansing. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me while you were just filling me in on the details of what you're about, where you come from, Mm -hmm. what you value, you Mm -hmm. you don't, your experiences. It occurred to me that when we are in a season of deep pain and loss in our lives, how we can lose all perspective. Mm -hmm. And somehow there are those people that seem to pop up Mm -hmm. that undermine our value, our strength, our courage, our resolve, everything we need. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they suck the oxygen and the mm-hmm. air out of us. Sometimes with good intentions and sometimes right. out of their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for sharing that story mm-hmm. with us because I think there's people listening to us right now mm-hmm. that are perhaps experiencing pain beyond pain and potential loss beyond any wild imagination. On the other hand, it can be a time of cleansing mm-hmm. because it really shows
2: you what it shows us what we're made of. Mm-hmm. Well, in so. that, that year where my parents were in a car accident over an eighth month period, I lost both grandmothers to cancer. My maternal grandmother, she died within a couple months of the car accident. She died of colon cancer. And then within six months, the other grandmother died of leukemia and Within that same year period, my sister overdosed on drugs. So that year of 1990, I used to say was the worst year of my life, but I was able to get through it and continue with my life. And, you know, I had taken some time off from church, but I realized how important it was for me to go to church and have a relationship with God. It's the place where we find meaning.
1: True religion confronts earth with heaven and brings eternity to bear upon time. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. If not, I encourage everyone to look up that quote from A.W. Tozer because his book, Man, the Dwelling Place of God, brings so much context to these seasons of tremendous loss. Mm -hmm. And I think it opens the window of why those are also opportunities for cleansing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Pamela. We'll pick up your story where lots of things happen after this point. So we'll pick up your story in the next segment.
0: We have so many people that want to gift healing to their friends and family members. Due to popular request, we've officially created the Gift of Rest package for purchase. Please go to theplaceofrest.com forward slash wholeness packages to view the Gift of Rest. If you've been listening to our podcast regularly and are now wondering, what's next or how can I get more support? Our Day of Rest course is available to support you in your pilgrimage. Use the promo code PODCAST, all lowercase, to receive a 10% discount for our introductory Day of Rest course. Now back to the show.
1: That last segment pretty much covered everything from transitions in life, from being a child to being a daughter, to having to step in and almost to take care of our aging parents and or ill parents. Mm -hmm. But it also, your story touches on everything we all have to deal with. And that's our sense of identity and purpose Mm -hmm. and meaning and challenging the voices, sometimes of boyfriends, sometimes of bosses, sometimes of friends that speak destructive things into our life when we need most to be encouraged. And I want to thank you for sharing that.
2: And let's pick up where we left off. All right. Um, You got married. Well, I'd gotten married. I'd gotten divorced. How long was your first marriage? It was 10 years. And when I decided to get divorced, I went to a psychologist because I wanted to make sure that I didn't pick the same type of person again. And one of the things that the psychologist had me do was stand in front of a whiteboard and write down the things that attracted me to my ex-husband. And all I could say was that he was handsome and funny. And I remember the psychologist saying, that doesn't sound very good, does it? And I said, no, it doesn't. So then he asked me to write out what I wanted in a partner. And I filled the entire board. And I don't even think I had handsome and funny on there. I had so many other qualities that were so much more important. Someone who was loyal, someone who I could trust, someone who had the same values as me. You know, someone who would actually go to church with me when I attended so I wouldn't have to go by myself. Things like that were important. And for five years, I literally prayed for a love of a lifetime. You know, I had several long-term relationships. And it wasn't, you know, that I had difficulty finding someone because that wasn't the case at all. I was just having difficulty finding someone who I wanted to keep. You know, eventually I did find someone and get remarried. And I've actually been married for 16 years now. Fifteen years into
1: your marriage was another season a colorful season yes. in your life that I think you were well prepared for by the way <laughs> so that's another thing that occurred to me yeah this woman didn't just go through when I first heard your story I thought this woman didn't just go through this something prepared her to face this and it right. was what you shared in the last segment but tell us what happened a year ago
2: Well, I believe in times of adversity that God goes before you, God stands beside you, and God never leaves you. And in 2022, I faced a catastrophic medical crisis that nearly killed me, and God was with me throughout the entire ordeal. So that August, I had went to the doctor, I had symptoms of a bladder infection, I also had an extended cough from COVID. Mm -hmm. And my doctor uh, prescribed a steroid for the cough and an antibiotic for the bladder infection. A week later, I returned to the doctor, the cough was gone, but I still had symptoms of the bladder infection. My doctor said, you know, it's possible that the steroid canceled out the antibiotic. She wrote me another prescription. She said, if this one doesn't work, you're going to have to see a urologist. Well, the second and antibiotic did not work and I developed pain in my lower back but I attributed the pain in my lower back to a minor car accident that I'd been in a few weeks prior so instead of going to the urologist right away I went to the chiropractor and makes sense right yeah it makes <laughs> perfect sense went to the chiropractor started getting massages you know all of this to alleviate the lower back pain but uh, what I didn't know was that the back pain was not caused by the car Accident. It was something far worse. And on September 15th, I woke up with unbearable pain in my chest, and I thought I was having a heart attack. So when I got to the hospital, I learned it wasn't a heart attack. But what it actually was, was that... My right kidney had ruptured, and it ruptured due to a kidney stone that was 4.3 inches in my right ureter. Okay, can we just pause here for a second? (laughs) Yeah, kidney
1: stones are worse than (laughs) childbirth. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. My dad passed kidney stones, and if you don't know what a kidney stone looks like, go Google it. It yeah. is like a ball full of glass. It, yeah. yeah,
0: it basically. So I've passed three in my have lifetime you? in a course of a month. Like, oh. there's a whole story that I have about these, oh. but they are so yeah, excruciatingly painful. Excruciating. Mine were like probably half the size of a pea, but imagining four, four
1: inches. Four inches. I cannot. Yes. And imagine a man passing a kidney stone oh. through oh. his Just awful. Yeah, it makes I, me cringe. <laughs>
2: They said that my kidney stone was one of the largest that was ever documented. Yeah. they said that wow. I made medical journals. Oh my gosh! And besides having the, kidney I'm going to look you up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> besides having the kidney stone and the ruptured kidney, I also developed sepsis. And if you don't oh. know what sepsis is, oh. sepsis is a life-threatening blood infection that causes organ failure. Mm-hmm. So the sepsis actually caused my right lung to collapse, and the doctors didn't think that I would make it through the night. In fact, they said if the sepsis reaches her heart, she'll die. (laughs) They put in three drainage tubes. I had two. This was last year, mind you. Yeah, Yeah. last September. I had uh, two drainage tubes placed in the side of my right chest, and that was to drain the infection that was surrounding the lung. I had another drainage tube placed in my lower back that was to drain the infection surrounding the kidney. And the first night in the hospital, I had a near-death experience where I literally saw both sets of my deceased grandparents they were standing on each side of my hospital bed Mm -hmm. and i saw my deceased father standing at the foot of my hospital bed no words were exchanged they were just standing there looking at me Mm. i was dying and they were there to guide me to heaven but god had other plans for me so i spent nearly two weeks in the hospital every morning i had a blood draw at 5 a.m well before you
1: hold (laughs) On a minute. (laughs) What did you think? What did you feel? What did you say? When I saw Was there communication in the form of thoughts or just full knowledge? Was another Jesus figure image presence there did you try to speak and you couldn't did you feel your chest compression did you feel your spirit wanted to leave I mean I have a thousand questions I could just go on but yeah. I won't
2: honestly but. honestly I mean I saw all five of them standing around my bed the room like it was like backlit like it was really lit up behind mm-hmm. them and no words were exchanged, but I honestly, I felt at peace. I yes, felt, that's okay, right. if I die today, I'm fine. You know, I really felt I I was okay with it. This Um, is
1: consistent with what I've heard. That's why I wanted details. Yeah. you felt this sense of peace that overcame you. Can I say something too? Yes. Is that
0: when we have talked about, we literally talked about this a few weeks ago with Dr. Cowden is that when someone is in fear, specifically of death, it affects the lung. So that's so interesting that you were at peace because if you had been afraid of death, Mm -hmm. it's possible that it could have gone the Mm -hmm. other direction.
1: And maybe their presence wasn't to guide you but to give you comfort maybe. that they were there and death was nothing to fear yeah, and you were going to be okay maybe. Right? maybe because we do see that when people have cancer uh-huh. that the affliction to the lungs is from the fear of yes, death my goodness. and so these emotion, these feelings that emote yeah. tend to be instrumental in the direction of what happens with that cancer it's an amazing system Mm -hmm. That we have. It's an amazing temple we live in, which, by the way, is the dwelling place of God right? Mm -hmm. The soul of man is a dwelling place of God, but Mm -hmm. that soul has a huge impact Mm -hmm. on what our brain processes and our body manifests. We did a whole talk on this in cancer. So for those of you who are regular listeners, go back and
0: listen. What was the name of? It was two weeks ago. It's part of the cancer series. It's called fear and cancer, fear and
1: cancer. Mm -hmm. And Natalie, very astute of you that your lungs ruptured. Mm hmm. And they were there, and Mm -hmm. peace overcame you. Mm -hmm. It may be why you went through that Mm -hmm. cycle of healing, because the fear wasn't relevant. Tell us, in light of that, what happened to your lungs after this?
2: Well, you know, I had the drainage tubes put in, Mm -hmm. and... This, This, by the way, is one of the most painful procedures. Yes, I had two chest tubes put in to drain the uh, infection surrounding the lungs, but this is something that I think you'll find very ironic for the next three days I literally smelled my favorite grandmother's cologne yep. in my hospital room and I kept asking the nurses I was like do you smell that and they're like smell what and I said emerald mm-hmm. you don't smell emerald and I don't know if you've ever smelled emerald but it's this very strong cologne and as a little girl I did not like it like my grandmother would <laughs> have me and I'd say please don't get that stinky emerald on me Right. <laughs> but my whole room smelled of emrod, like and no one else could smell it but me Mm -hmm. so i mean that's also comforting to know that she was there well and you saw
1: her yeah so there was a presence yeah
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um
1: what happened to the lungs
2: well okay so i had the drainage tubes in and the thoracic surgeon on the fifth day he had came into my room to take the drainage tubes out Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, Are you going to
1: give me? <laughs> Talk about that for a second. Yeah, there is no pain. Yeah. Like drainage tubes coming out of the your Yeah.
2: The, I mean, imagine these drainage tubes had been in the side of my chest going, you know, mm. into my chest cavity mm. for five days. So skin mm. was grown around it. There was also stitches around the drainage tubes, yeah. you know, holding them in. But anyhow, I said, Are you going to give me a local anesthetic to remove these? And. He said, no, well, unfortunately, we can't do that when we remove drainage tubes. He said, take a deep breath as he pulled them out. And the pain when he was pulling them out was excruciating. And to make matters worse, someone had put tape over top of the stitches. No! So, yes. So oh. when he removed the tape, it ripped the stitches out. I literally screamed so loud that I think the entire med surge unit at Mission Hospital heard me. I cried so much that my eyes were swollen shut. Oh, Shut. Her eyes were swollen. Yeah, it was awful. And the
1: reason this is near and dear to my heart, because I've witnessed this and there is no pain like it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's unbelievable. Another story, you know, why I was in the hospital, they were taking my blood every day, you know, to monitor the infection level with the sepsis. Um, Because at one point, like on the first night there, my white blood cell count was 31,000 and a normal white blood cell count is between 4,000 to 11,000 so I was pretty sick and they were also doing these chest x-rays every day you know on one occasion the x-ray tech told me to remove a cross necklace that I was wearing and I said I'm sorry I'm not going to take my cross off I said this cross is the only reason why I am still here and you know he went ahead and did my x-ray he just had to work around it but when the drainage tubes were removed the lung reinforced inflated, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's not always
1: the way this plays
2: out. The lungs really don't, yeah. You yeah. Not when not. a
1: lung has ruptured and collapsed like that. Yeah. That well, is miraculous. I
2: had so many people praying for me, and I had people praying for me. Miraculous. Now. Yeah, all over the country. Mm-hmm. And the women's group that you were talking about, um, they had, you know, daily prayer going on for me. I was on so many prayer lists at churches all over the country, here in California, as well as the Midwest. So lots of people were praying for me and I spent 12 days in the hospital during the 12 days I lost 30 pounds and one of the things that happened from the Mm. rapid weight loss is like the side the right side of my face actually was sunken in is it affected everything pretty much on the right side. So the lung was collapsed on the right side, the kidney was ruptured on the right side, and then my face was sunken. So,
1: By the way, the right side of your body is your male side, which oh. is really interesting. Huh. Yes, mm-hmm. in Chinese medicine, that's the, the male side of your body. So it's really interesting that the collapse happened there, yeah. given the nature of loss uh-huh. and the complexity of some relationships with wow. men. Huh. And that's kind of, that's interesting. That we'll talk interesting. about that. We don't, okay. I know Natalie is going to be going like this <laughs> to me. Cut. Oh my God. <laughs> big story, big narrative. We'll have yeah. to have you back and talk about that. Yeah. Actually, you know who we need is Dr. Cowden.
0: Uh-huh. Alongside this. Yes. Alongside
1: this. Because when you begin to understand the anatomy and the development of mm-hmm. these dis-ease, disease mm-hmm. states and how the dis-ease, the confusion, the chaos mm-hmm. in your physiology, in your soul and places of pain mm-hmm. and certainly spiritual disruptions mm-hmm. that can be very traumatizing. You start looking at medicine different. You start looking at the healing conversations differently. And all I have to say to everybody listening and is nothing's random. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely not a single random thing that is happening to you. There is a storyline associated, and it's all like a like a bunch of dominoes. It's like a big, giant puzzle piece that we can put together. But I love your story mm -hmm. because it reminds me of that. And I didn't know a few of these details, by the way, so thank you.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I did have to have the kidney removed, though, which was devastating when I got that news. Um, But it did not function. I went back in. Well, it ruptured, right? Yeah, it ruptured. And I had a nuclear medicine test done. They told me it needed to function 20% in order to salvage it. And unfortunately, it did not function. Function at all. So in uh, November, I had went back in, had it removed. But I, you know, I was so devastated that I was gonna have to have it removed. And one thing I did, I prayed about it. And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, God, you know, what am I gonna do? You know, I wanna go home with all the organs that I came in the hospital with. And honestly, when I prayed, I instantly felt like everything would be okay. And when they did the surgery to remove it, they thought it was gonna be done laparoscopically, but then they realized it was much worse. The ruptured kidney was actually stuck to my liver. So the surgery oh, no. became more invasive. It took six hours and they had to carefully remove the ruptured kidney without puncturing my liver.
1: And I want to say too, remember how taxed the liver is because mm-hmm. you went an infection was ravaging your body not only that the the amount of antibiotics antibiotics going through the system too livers deeply compromised what happened
2: so it took six hours to remove the kidney I spent months recovering from sepsis and uh, the surgery in early 2023 I had a physical done and you know I learned that my left kidney functioned 100% which is great news because you can live a normal life with one kidney and I did not need dialysis I did not need a transplant. Everything was fine. I went back in six months Following that, had additional blood work done. Once again, everything was fine. My cholesterol even kept coming down. You know, it, it was perfectly normal on the first physical, and then even after that, it dropped another forty points. Um, so it was just amazing. And you know, I just want to say that I should have died on September fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. But you know, God had other plans for me. He was there with me throughout the entire ordeal. And you know, I am so grateful that He was there with me. You know, He didn't leave me and. And, you know, I just want to say that any of you out there, no matter what you're facing in your life, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the situation is, know that God is there. He's with you and he's not going to leave you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Leave you in time or out of time. Mm-hmm. Evidence that no matter what we're going to be okay. Yes. And what listening to you speak, and I don't know if oh, I was just saying this to you before we started recording, that when you think about it, life is all about beginnings. Mm-hmm. Conception is a beginning. Birth is a beginning. And when we're called out of time, evidenced by the testimony of millions and millions of people, it's another beginning. It's another beginning in one of two places, and it's very real. And we have reports of both. But for you, it was that gentle reminder of, no, this isn't all there is. Mm -hmm. You're just heading back to where you came from, which is home. Mm -hmm. It says that God had foreknowledge of us from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And I realized one day, deja vu moments are our knowledge of eternity past, perhaps. Mm. And I don't know what the theology is behind that, but it came to me in the form of a word or knowledge or this presence, but it made so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. Right. So what a great story. Thank you. Thank you for your courage, for your strength, for your faith, for your commitment to persevere and endure. And I wrote down... This was a year of great pain for you, but a season of healing in the midst of not just pain, but physical death Mm -hmm. where you, your spirit would definitely go on, but it was the brutality of the pain in the midst of that journey Mm -hmm. that is captivating because you had this iron of steel and this piece that really surpasses all understanding mm-hmm. people often said to me when jordan had a brain tumor it's like i don't know how you're doing this i don't know how you're doing this and i was reminded of a story from a friend who had to watch his wife die with mm-hmm. two young boys oh, that's and one of the boys draped himself over the bed of his dying mom you can mm-hmm. relate to this Yeah, I can really. And said, his ill mother at the time, and said, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'll never endure this. I can't live without you. I just can't. And Mm -hmm. he just clung to her. And she rubbed his head, ran her fingers through his head, and he said, of course you can't imagine life without me because I'm not going anywhere today. But when the day comes you will have the great you will have the grace god will give you the grace Mm. to endure that transition Mm. into that transition and i'm not going anywhere i'll be waiting for you on the other side of this but i thought that is so beautiful we don't have the strength He gives us the courage, right, to persevere, Mm -hmm. but we don't have the strength to endure the unthinkable until the time comes where we need the grace to face it. Mm -hmm. What a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for the example. I will never forget it. Thank you. And I want to encourage women listening to us and men listening to us that there is a group of amazing people of substance from all walks of life. And I knew this was my tribe when I walked into this room in Newport Beach and there were people not just of made up, uh, not just people from all walks of life, but different measures of conviction about many things. And when you're in my line of work, you can walk into a room and you scan this stuff. You pick up on this stuff pretty quick Mm -hmm. to say that it gave me hope for California and for our pledge to heal the hemorrhaging heart of a nation is an understatement. It is the most beautiful group of people I've ever seen. Rich, poor educated, uneducated, young, old, men, by the way, women, mostly women, but it is an amazing thing to witness. And the richness and of the content, the rich content, I should say, is really captivating. Mm -hmm. And it's a testimony to the leadership that they had you share your story in the way that you did because it left us all inspired and encouraged so thank you so much Pamela thank you so so much thank you
0: for updates about rest and this podcast please visit our Instagram or Facebook the place of rest if you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest please go to the placeofrest.com forward slash donate or call 949-289-5935 thank you for listening to rest with Virginia Dixon we'll see you next week